0: All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order.
1: Buddy, what are we talking about today? The sky's falling, Doug. Uh, I don't really know where to go from here. Brooklyn, obviously, we, we, we fall in Charlotte. First loss of the season for our undefeated team. And now we just kind of take a look at what went wrong. Are there some obvious things that didn't happen in this one that caused the loss? And then big picture, dealing with some injuries now on this roster in the early stage of the season. What do we expect as the Nets have a lot of games coming up over the next week and a half? We're going to get a taste of what Kevin Durant's rest cycle looks like and also what some of the deeper players on this roster are going to look like as they get some opportunities to fill in those minute gaps. Yeah, we've got a packed podcast. We're going
0: to talk about uh, you know, speculating on a din- Dinwiddie injury. We're going to talk, about like you said, about KD and some of these rotations and sort of what to expect maybe just from this basketball season as a whole. But first, the theme music.
1: You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Norrie, owner and operator, at DFSR.com, covering you for your DFS NBA needs on FanDuel and DraftKings, and that's Adam Armbrecht. He's the voice of the Brooklyn Nets over on SportsCaster, where he's doing NFL and NBA coverage as well, buddy. How we doing Monday morning?
1: Hey, listen, this is the uh, you know, cue up the REM. It's the end of the world as we know it, right? First, first, <laughs> <laughs> first loss for Brooklyn, obviously uh, against the Charlotte Hornets, and there's there's plenty to get into from it, but. Uh, you know, it's good. This is good. This is an important taste to get because the Nets weren't going to go seventy two and zero. So uh, let's let's get the first bad one out of the way. I kind of thought they were going seventy two and
0: zero. I gotta be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> I i was i was feeling uh, i was feeling like those you know based on the first two games. I was feeling like that was a real possibility. Now, nah, I mean, look, this is going to happen. This is a long season. You're already getting a sense of what this kind of schedule is going to be like, and it hasn't even been that bad for the Nets yet. Except they're coming on. The, they're going to have to play on the back to back right here, and uh, Monday, uh, Monday against the Grizzlies. We'll get into that a little bit uh, later here. But coming after the blowout win on Christmas Day, you were feeling like. And I had to feel, I mean, we I, I, kind of, not we didn't blow it because we didn't record over the weekend, but I did feel like, oh man, we picked the wrong game to <laughs> to record right after because the game on uh, Christmas Day against the Celtics was just one of these like firing on all cylinders and looks like you could never, it, it was one of those games where like, well, if we play like that, you'll just never, sim- simply never lose a game with this kind of talent, right? And then the Charlotte you know, the, the <laughs> game against the Charlotte was more was more like a, was more like an was just more like a rock fight. I, well, was... <laughs> didn't you
1: did, didn't you feel like it was going to be so? We come off that great win against Boston, and then we just kind of go ahead and pummel the Charlotte Hornets on on a Sunday. Like that was going to be my my touch point as we came into Monday morning. Instead of saying, "Oh, what was this little what was this little speed bump that we ran into?" And uh, in what was supposed to be our our dominating start to the season.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that pretty much sums it up. It's like the expectations get really high. The Nets had the best um, point differential in the league. They were rocking the best defensive rating in the league coming into the game against Charlotte. Charlotte's coming on the back-to-back, so you're thinking, oh, man, you know, they're coming on the back-to-back, and this is just going to be the game that the Nets take easily, and it was anything but. So we're going to get into the game here, but we have to start out a little bit with, you know, by the time you listen to this, we might have news already. So we're recording really early Monday morning. And the the worry that we have right now is over the Spencer Dinwiddie injury. So Dinwiddie falls, he kind of, as he's crossing the lane on defense um, on a play in the third quarter, I believe, he, uh, he comes across the lane on defense and he kind of crumples a little bit and it looked like a non-contact knee injury. He did end up walking off the court, but it was clear that he, I mean, he walked right off the court, right? Like he got up and kind of just limped. He knew something was wrong. Right, L- limped over, uh, sat on the bench for a little bit, kind of you know talked to the trainers about his knee, and then you know only a few minutes later ended up exiting to the locker room to not return. Steve Nash in the post game said that he was going to be evaluated Monday. How worried are we? I mean, is it worth it even speculating here, or just waiting till uh, my guess is early? You know, early today we have some kind of answer, but non-contact knee injuries, non-contact leg knee injuries for me are the thing where your stomach kind of dr- jumps up into your throat because those look it could just be a little, you know, you could have just tweaked it. Um, I'm hoping that's the case. But uh how are we are we all concerned or is it just not even worth speculating on because by sometime Monday we'll know what the extent of the injury is.
1: Yeah, and well then what he had a had knee had a knee injury in college. So that was something that brought up on the broadcast as well, where you start to just think about those kind of things. And then you said that he got up and walked off, but in the post game they talked about how it was like it's a non-contact, and he kind of gets up and almost like, yeah, that was weird. And it's just kind of casually walking off but also immediately goes off the court. So it was hard to gauge about whether or not – like, you know, usually when you see someone go down like that and then they also get up, it sometimes is the indication that the guy knows that this is yep. probably more serious than, than maybe first peers, and the non-contact piece is always an indicator as well. So, yeah, I – I don't want to overreact to it, but my my unfortunate assumption is it's not going to be great news. Now it doesn't mean that he's going to be out for the season or something, but I could see this being an extended an extended absence for Dinwiddie, and then that really does have serious impact on this on this roster and how you construct that backcourt and then what it looks like in the second unit. Like he is probably you know shy of Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. He's the last guy that you that you can afford to or want to see go down on this team right now? I think it's safe to say he doesn't
0: play here uh, Monday against the Grizzlies. I think that one, and look with, with knee injuries, uh, you can, you can have pretty bad knee injuries that you can still walk from ACL and MCL tears are, are tend to be more about, uh, stopping and planting rather than just straight line locomotive walking so uh, look I'm not a doctor and uh, we'll probably move off this now because by the time you listen to it by the time you listen to the podcast there's some chance we just have the news after the Spencer Dinwiddie evaluation uh, agreed it would be really tough to lose him for an extended period of time Yeah, uh, he had really melded into that starting lineup in a way that I hadn't really thought was going to happen um you know we were surprised that he was the starting I mean he's a secti- effectively point guard a like or yeah. point guard b more than he's a shooting guard I'll say that like he's the way they're running their offense um he was kind of more of a ball initiator at times uh than Kyrie you know as they're running Kyrie off screens and pin down so uh hopefully he's okay we'll we'll know later on um We'll know hopefully later on Monday the extent of the injury in terms of the Charlotte game. Look, we're going to get into this over uh, you know now and then through the rest of the episode. It was just a it was a very ugly game. Uh, as crisp as the Nets looked in the first two games, sort of as fluid uh, and sort of just full in motion and kind of everything c- coming together, the Charlotte game was anything but. It was almost like I hate to say. Teams that played down to their competition because I think sometimes that's a lazy fan speak piece. Like you'll hear this for you hear this forever on talk radio. It's Like oh the you know you know for the Yankees you know like, oh we we never pitch we never play well when we see when we see that first pitcher for the first time. I'm like I don't know. It's just in your head that you, it feels like it's just in your head kind of thing, right? Like right. you know like teams like oh we just played out to the competition. Uh, I do think that's a lazy thing. I do think in this case that that was sort of the case. It was it became a really physical game. Um, in a way that did not help the Nets, and then the story is that just the, the shooting was bad. Quick, uh, you know, is that kind of how you saw this game? I think we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more into detail, but just like high level, where did you stand on the Charlotte game? It, uh, for me, it was it was a, it was a kind of a tough watch at times.
1: Yeah, sloppy. I, I would say that it was a sloppy game, and not to put it on because we saw this even in the Boston game. Nets did have twelve turnovers in the first half of that one. Cleaned it up in the second half. They had 19 turnovers in this game, and it just felt like it was a game that got sloppy early, and they they chose to engage in it, but they ended up playing that kind of style, and I think that when you're playing a team that, at least on paper, you feel like you should be able to beat, if you start to get into a sloppy game. Then it's more likely that you're going to be close, that you're going to, if you start to struggle from deep, that then all of a sudden you could find yourself down in it. And it's not, this isn't a thing where you just get to switch it on. And I know we're going to get into kind of the Kyrie and KD piece and how they looked in this game, but it's hard. It's hard to to play bad early and then all of a sudden say, and now everyone just do it like we did it two days ago. All right, yeah, we're gonna talk more basketball
0: here in a second, but first, gotta talk a little bit about football because this football season, we get college football heading into the bowl season, we get NFL about to wrap up uh, its regular season one more week, and then it's into the playoffs. And with all that football action plus basketball as well, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust that's Bet Online a g Right now, you can sign up for a free account on BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, just like our podcast network. LOCKEDON, and you're going to get a 15% welcome bonus. Not going to find a better deal than that. The NFL games of the week, like I said, college football, the top games, and all the stuff you need for your NBA action as well. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON on BetOnline.ag. To receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit,
1: bet online your sportsbook experts. All right, before we get into a little bit more, there's some questions really. That I have around what maybe went wrong in this game. Got to remind everybody about Locked On Bets. Betting on the Brooklyn Nets doesn't have to be a guessing game for you if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by Your Boy G and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Now, in this game, I, I, I would say like the first two games. Kevin Durant goes off and does his thing for a stretch multiple times in the game, as does Kyrie, but it's a supporting cast that, that never really finds its rhythm here. And, you know, is this a is it a blip or is it a trend? Are there concerns inside of, of some of these guys behind KD and Kyrie and as far as their ability to... Because, you know, my, my real question is is, can they just turn it on? Because that's kind of the mode that you need to be in. We know Joe Harris can do that. But can you rely on these other guys to be able to not have looks, not necessarily be getting opportunities for big stretches, and then when those looks come, guarantee that you're gonna hit more than you're gonna miss? Yeah, that's gonna be the question of the
0: whole season. I think the first two games, you don't worry about it at all, right when they're just kind of mm-hmm. blowing the doors off other teams and then if you're going to if you know shooting can be lumpy and by lumpy, I mean you know from a, from a statistical standpoint you you can lump together good in shooting nights and bad shooting nights. Now, in the aggregate, you are going to, you would think, play to your career averages, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less over the course of a season. It can just look worse on a game-to-game basis when you lump together all your misses. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right, right, like, and that's kind of what happened, Both basically, basically for two players. And so it's funny, if you look statistically at what happened this game, I want to say, too, you know, th- these guys, we a Kevin Durant, pretty good baseline jumper away from overtime in this game so this was not you know this wasn't a blowout or anything they they lost by two points and KD got a really good look at the end and i think more times than not he he knocks that shot down and he just didn't and that's just kind of the story now but if you look statistically what happened during this game and oftentimes sometimes you can look at a game you, you can say to yourself well, you know, what's happening here? Like, you know, why are they, why is this a close game? Or like, what exactly is, is what exactly is what's causing the strife here for, mm-hmm. for a certain team? I'll, I'm going to put, put this pretty plainly here. The Nets shot 50% from three in this game if your name wasn't Torian Prince or Landry <laughs> Shammott, right? And so, and then when you add Torian Prince and Landry Shammott, the Nets shot 36% from three. And that, is kind of the story now. It's not like Charlotte shot the lights out either, but the Nets are just shooting at such a high volume because they shot forty-seven. So basically, it's funny. The Nets outside, okay. So this this, this math works out pretty pretty well actually. The Nets outside of uh, Torian and Landry shot the same amount of threes as uh, as the as the Hornets on this game. That's thirty-four each. Uh, well, 34 to 33, but whatever, basically the same, except that when Shamit and Prince go over 13, that's that's the kind of the difference. So I, you can say, okay, well, they shot worse from three. Well, one, first of all, Nets the, the Hornets said Nets should shoot better from three than the Hornets over the course of the season. So that's, I, I don't think... Uh, that, I don't look at that number and be like, oh, you know, one team ran good and one team ran bad. Like right. the Nets should, out, the Nets should um, outpace these guys, both in terms of volume and efficiency. And look, Prince and Shamit just went over 13. And like you can see it during the game. It just the shots didn't fall. They were brutal misses. Um, they were brutal misses at times when it looked like they would be able to, you know, kind of really cut into the lead uh, in a way, especially with, with Kyrie and Katie off off the floor. And that's kind of the story. Shama got, got the hook after 13 minutes. I was a little surprised by that. It probably ended up being correct. But this guy's a 40% three-point shooter so for his career. So if you think this is going to happen over the course of the whole season, it's just not going to. But they just lumped together all these misses. And I hate to boil it down to just two dudes and 25 total minutes as being the story why they lost the game because there's other stuff. But those two lines were so stark in terms of how brutal it was. And it was just so obvious that you never had to watch basketball your whole life and to kind of know, oh, maybe this is kind of the reason this is happening.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, listen, if you want to even throw in, because we saw this going back to last season, pre-bubble, especially a guy like Karis LeVert, who can be streaky at times, if you throw him into the three-point bag, you're talking about two for 20 for those three mm-hmm. players, because he went two a seven. So, you're right, you know, it. you don't want to just drop it at the feet at a couple of guys and say, boy, those performances, but because it ends up feeling like a bit of an outlier, and then... And then, by the way, they're off the bench, and I know we don't we don't worry too much about plus minus, but the entire bench was minus. The entire bench was running in the negative, except for actually TLC, who came in late there and really you know had a nice shooting performance four four and three for three from deep in his twelve minutes of action. Everybody else was in the minus. The starting unit was all in the, in, in the positive. So again, not to oversimplify, but it was the starting unit was doing its job, quote unquote. And the guys coming in off the bench just weren't having the same rhythm and success that you need them to have, no matter what the game is. You can't; the bench just has to stem the tide more often than not, and that's what we saw in the first two games of the season. There's a. I don't want to get into. I have an interesting think thought process around Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. I don't want to jump into that or over belabor it. But is there is there anything else that you saw in this game before we get to that that seems indicative of it, like the? the streakiness of when KD and Kyrie take over and whether or not certain players can get impacted by it?
0: Yeah, look, when you shoot a lot of three-pointers, like I said, this is just what's going to happen sometimes, right? Like, I I just don't, again, I hate to be oversimplified. This is not an oversimplification. They should shoot better than they did. But when when your whole game plan is to surround, you know, the, the two superstars with basically... Three point shooters, and that's sort of the story of the, how their team is put together outside of the centers. I, 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 I don't know what else to say really. Like that, like they just those guys shot him over thirteen. <laughs> like well, they then, were just right. bad. But you know what? Then, then perfect this is the perfect time to get into. I have the other Jared. thoughts. In, by the way, I have other thoughts on yeah. the game.
1: I just don't know. Yeah, if that's yeah. what, I don't know if that's what you were kind of were looking for, like in that in terms of that piece. No, no, yeah, and I think that that, that that's it because it's just again it would be, I don't know, disingenuous, but to overstate something beyond hey these guys shot bad and that's essentially what what is damning for a game like this but when, when you turn the page over to you, you can go back to the second half of the Boston game you can look at Jared Allen we, we, we all know how we feel and how a lot of fans feel about DeAndre Jordan but this year I'll I'll even say now including the Charlotte game and then go back to the like I said the second half of the Boston game Jared Allen like the active the activity and energy that he plays with mm mm-hmm clearly has an impact you know so I mean, it's even beyond just saying well you know deandre jordan he slumps a little bit into the lane etc but jared allen because when you look at these stat lines and you say well there's do you have 11 defensive rebounds and 12 overall for DeAndre jordan and allen gave you 10 with 14 overall okay those are basically the same numbers like the stat lines tell you these are just guys that are grabbing rebounds but when you do the eye test you see jared allen far more active in on the offensive glass getting second chance opportunities put back opportunities defensively he obviously is better with those rotations getting over to help on the weak side he also got to the he also got to the line 8 times in this game and went 6 of 8 whereas DeAndre Jordan 1 of 2 i just like at some point and he actually played 25 minutes to Jordan's 19 so there mm-hmm. was the difference there on the line but do if we're going to say that the early hook for Shamit here, who's a new player on this team, but you go to TLC, a guy who had some success last year. Do you anticipate Steve Nash and this coaching staff just kind of looking and almost saying, "Hey, you see what's happening here? Like right, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I know we know you love DeAndre Jordan, but you can see the eye test. And, and Kevin Durant, by the way, was really complimentary of Jared Allen in the post game as far as his play and how he's looked early in the season." Is it at some point this switch has to get made, right? Because it just feels like even more so this season that Jared Allen is the better fit, not just the you know the better player right now at this point in his career. He's the better fit for these two players and the rest of this roster to have success. I just I don't know. It consistently boggles my mind, and I don't. I said I don't want to get trapped in it, but I also just feel like it is an obvious eye test. Yes, this guy's better. He should be starting and playing more. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get to that in a second because I think that um, I, I think that we're probably going to end up in a season a season
0: of questioning around this decision. But I do have a, I do have actually have a, a counterpoint to that, uh, which we'll get to in a second. First. Have to talk to our friend. Oh, not, we're not talk to them. We're gonna talk about them. Our friends yeah. over. at... I love to talk to them too to tell them how great the the built bar is. Um, so I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna hey built bar. Your guys. You guys are great. Not everyone else, <laughs> <laughs> listen up because you gotta get in to built bar. Look right now. Sometimes you're on the move. You're on the go. Uh, maybe you just forgot to do some of that like grocery shopping. Just don't feel like making a meal. Built Bar is the perfect protein bar, perfect alternative, and it's just great and it's healthy and it's really everything you want. You're not even going to believe these things are healthy once you taste them. We joke about it, where, You know, pick your favorite flavor of ice cream, then just go over and have a Built Bar and know that you're actually getting a good, healthy snack. It's built for the health-conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging. And an absolutely delicious treat. The flavors are all over the map here because they're all, you know, like I said, they're almost like those ice cream flavors. Raspberry, peanut butter, German chocolate, double chocolate, orange, coconut, peanut butter, brownie. Perfect for the keto diet, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, just 5 grams of net carbs. Right now you go over to BuiltBar.com and you use the promo code LOCKEDON, just like our podcast network, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, uh, I'm going to get into that Jared Allen piece. Uh, I wanted to tell you later on this week, after we get well, you know, tomorrow we're gonna break down the grizzly game, whatever happens here on Monday. Later on this week I have to we're gonna do a, probably two segments. Every year I ask my wife, I've joked about this in the past about how for someone oh, that just I watches sports it. and talks about sports all the time, my wife doesn't know a single thing about sports. Like it's 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 frankly pretty amazing that not more of it has just sort of drifted into the consciousness. So on Christmas Eve, I did my annual she doesn't really know. I'm taking notes, but um, asked her just name basketball players that she knew, and I did a running like sort of commentary. I just typed notes in the background as she was going because she was like cooking dinner and kind of just thinking about it so later on in the week I'm gonna break it down it's absolute gold uh, some of the answers are gonna be like I mean we have th- callbacks to the 1990s uh, we have uh, some TV show characters that she named as basketball players
1: grandma grandma make
0: there was a ma- there was a mashup of players like you know combining some names yes. um, it's just uh, some whispering to herself to try and to you know as she's thinking about the guys so anyway, it's, it's absolute stuff so so we'll get into that later on in the week so here's my Jared Allen thought um, OK, so the first the first answer is, yes, it's obvious he should be starting uh, like point period stop. He's a, he's a better player than DeAndre Jordan. He's more athletic. He um he just can do more defensively. He probably at this point can do more offensively as well, though neither are called on to do all that much. So I don't think anyone that is still making the DeAndre Jordan case, which we've been anti Jordan starting for like over a year now. So if you're still on this train, I, I just don't even know what to tell you. I did have a thought last night, though, as I was watching the game, that it kind of, to me... Okay, so I think by the end of the season, Jared Allen, like when we get to the playoffs or whatever, Jared Allen will probably just be the starter. Uh, I think that that's... uh, Look, the season's long, so I'm not really sure. But that'd be my guess. I think right now, I'm going to go in the it-doesn't-really-matter camp, (laughs) because DeAndre's... All his defensive and offensive flaws just get basically hidden when you share the court with Kyrie and KD. And so kind of anybody can just play there, I think. <laughs> and, like you know, just like you swap him and Bismack Biyombo, let's say. Like, would there any right. difference? I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I will say with Jared Allen, I think there actually still is a benefit to bringing him off the bench and having him play his minutes more with Karis. Yep. I actually think that that's be- – I think that's probably for the short term a better, if not just equal, solution. Because I think we would see a pretty sizable downgrade that if – if they, if they swap those rotations and put DeAndre into that role with Karras, into that two man game that they're trying to do work more with the bench, I actually do think you'd see you'd see a more significant downgrade because DeAndre's faults wouldn't be hidden in the way that they are when he shares the court with the superstars and the starting unit in general. Like the starting unit, yeah. those other four guys, are so good that it's like, okay, just like put anybody there. <laughs> and they're just gonna be kind of functional and fine does that make sense i I think like i think for right now i was talking i said it to someone on twitter last night but i was saying like oh because they were you know doing the once a game call for why doesn't jared allen start and it's clear that they shouldn't i was like you know don't do it to karis just leave leave him out there with karis and have him like kind of be a part like the head of the snake defender um in terms of that uh in terms of that second, well, yeah, I guess not head of the snake, but like that, that, you know, sort of like he can, he can actually mask a lot of other people's defensive flaws. So on the second unit, is that a fair thing? I think yeah. I'm going to, I'm, yeah. I'm going to ride, I'm going to ride with that because I'm trying to stay positive around. It's the rest of it's so obvious, but I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm looking for any
1: window into, oh, right. Let's like, let's keep it this way because this actually is helpful. No. Yeah. We, we've talked about the balance of these two units and how, how do you create the best combination? for the starting unit and then the bench unit. And that piece around Allen with Karis Levert makes, makes all the sense in the world. So I, I don't even, I, it's that to me is as obvious as, you know, it's as obvious to say that it's better to have him in that second unit with Karis Levert, as it is to say the team would be better if Jaron Allen was starting the other, I'll go the little layer deeper and we don't have to do a, a big piece on this. Cause then I kind of want to get to what happens if Dinwoodie's going to miss a few games here, who, who's maybe deserving of an opportunity, but as Nicholas Claxton comes back into health, I'm very curious to see where he's at. He's dealing with the essentially the tendonitis in the knee, um, you know, just a rest requirement for him to get back there. I do wonder a little bit about, because this team is already small, they don't seem to care about being big. They didn't make any real efforts in the offseason to improve their size in any way. I do wonder what role he may start to play on this team because he has the athleticism. Obviously, he's not a center came out, maybe labeled that way, but feels more on this team. He will be, he will be a, a, you know, a four at times if Kevin Durant isn't on the floor and then he'll flex into that five role. I'll be interested to see how he looks in the early stages and how that might impact the way the minutes flesh out. Even if it is DeAndre Jordan starting, if you start to see these other guys and just, uh, I'll say, I'll call it the youth and the natural athleticism really benefit. Then I think you'll see maybe more flexibility, around where you use Allen, because maybe you have this extra piece in Nicholas Claxton that can help the second unit and not take away as much from Karis LeVert and what's going to happen there. Um, The the other piece, though, is, of course, how do you replace Spencer Dinwiddie, even in the short term? And who's deserving of an opportunity here? Shamit's been the clear-cut guy uh, that's been a part of this second unit. I'm not saying because of this game against Charlotte he needs to be taken out of that role, but... TLC comes in, he gives you 12 minutes. Obviously, he does he gives you he gives you a mini bubble performance, right? He shoots lights out. You're like, "Good Lord, this guy can't possibly maintain this." But he does have nice length. He does offer you, I think at least competency on the defensive end. We we went into I think the the Raptor rating on him from last year it was actually pretty impressive. Do you think that that you could see a little sample size of other guys getting some some minutes here now over the next just handful of games. We I don't know if we mentioned at the top of the show. Six games over the next eleven days on a homestand for Brooklyn. So there's going to be opportunities for some other players to get some looks here. Do you see anybody else being deserving of that chance, or is this just kind of you're going to at least ride Shamit for a while because this is a new player on a new team getting rhythm with new guys? Yeah, so I
0: thought I actually thought this would have been Bruce Brown, but he hasn't. He's buried, so I don't think yeah. that that's um, like you know we saw him buried in the preseason, and we he's I don't you know when you're buried in the preseason, I think that that kind of tells the tale for what's gonna be going to be going what's going to be happening going forward. So I actually did think it would be him. I probably if Dan would do that, I would still start Shamit. I'm not a person that overreacts to one game. I get that he was bad. I get that he got the hook really easily uh, yesterday, and that probably makes sense. Um, but I'd still want to probably start him as just a quasi secondary ball handler that can um, that can help maybe facilitate some of the offense up up near the top. If you're like I said, if you're running Kyrie off of different actions, I think that it's going to be hard if you put in like TLC into that role. Let's say right, like to start. I think you need someone that usually actually has you know decent handling skills and sort of facilitation skills, and I think Shamit is probably the best. guy guy to do that because I don't I think you want to keep Karis where he is I don't think you want to move him to the starting lineup right now I think they have a good thing because look like I said before when you have Katie and Kyrie in that first unit you don't really need superstars (laughs) like you don't need you know extraordinary offensive players when those two guys are on the court together so now look Katie's probably going to sit in this Memphis game so maybe they're you know this is going to be this is going to be a weird situation here against Memphis because I'm not they might be playing really shorthanded we might see Kyrie put up 30 shots in this game um like I'm not joking about that number (laughs) like I think especially if Dinwiddie's out that we could be seeing we could see you know 50 shots combined between him and Garris or something like that I don't think that's a I don't think that's crazy to say I do think in terms of what we saw in Charlotte here and then what you just mentioned in the schedule you know what we didn't do we ended up not doing a ton of like game breakdown here but this game was very ugly in a way that I think is going to be indicative of the rest of the NBA season. This schedule is absolutely brutal. Like, we're getting mm. a window into it with some of these other teams and watching some of these other games and how teams are managing their minutes and how teams are sort of managing their rotations already. This season is probably shaping up to be, like, a really ugly basketball season. Uh, I don't really know any of like these There's too many games. There's, these games are just absolutely piled together in a way that, I just don't know how we're going to get good crisp basketball for an entire season with this many games. I think we're just – I think we're in – I mentioned this game. The Charlotte game was a rock fight. The rotations were terrible for the Nets at times. The transition D was totally brutal at times. Like, it was – even the transition offense was bad at times. This was – it was very sloppy in a way that I could see – I don't think the sloppiness just in terms like it's not like Charlotte was like super crispy either like they kind of just got a peak game from Gordon Hayward and that was the story of the game for them mostly Um, you know Roger shot decently as well but do you get that sense that we're just headed for there's just too many games there's too many games piled together there's gonna be too many injuries there's gonna be too much rest like there's just gonna be a season of very ugly basketball.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Yeah, yes, I do tend to agree because you think about uh, the champion Lakers and everyone knows AD and LeBron, you're going to find some rest there for them. You talk about a guy like uh, Kevin Durant. He's going to get some rest because he's coming back from a serious injury. You mentioned in this game alone, Gordon Hayward. He's a guy that has health concerns, certainly in in recent years for his career. So you're probably going to try to mitigate that. Like, I think if you start to roll through most rosters, are going to have a couple of players that they think about like that. That they just say, boy, like we don't want to over this during the regular season. We don't want to have these guys come up lame, especially if you are Charlotte, who thinks you're going to be in the back end of the playoff conversation, the, the Lakers who want to win a championship. Nets are in that category too. So I, I think there is even more so, because in general NBA seasons, a lot of teams are just trying to get to the playoffs because that's where they're going to stake their claim. This year more than ever, you're going to see... A lot of that expanded sample size of of what happened when you got to the bubble last year of, hey, healthy bodies get out there like we don't know who we're kind of <laughs> we don't know what this is going to entirely look like. Let's just try to get through this and then see what happens when we get to the playoffs and when we you know finish off this season. So, yeah, probably. And that, you know, from a net standpoint, I, I think that that's OK because you have so many pieces that you want to learn about. Like there could be a great stretch here where we find out what Shamit's really made of and what his role can really look like when you get multiple game sample sizes. And it's also going to lead to some of those games where you're, you're left scratching your head because you feel like they're very winnable, and it's just an active choice to not overexpose certain players to too much game time, early, especially early in the season, too. And we even saw like uh, not to not to get too far down this rabbit hole here, but we even saw it on Christmas Day
0: with Jimmy Butler, who only played the first half against the Pelicans, and they said it was right calf they said it was like ankle cramps or something like that, or like not ankle cramps, like calf cramps or something like or ankle issues. I forget what it was, it doesn't matter because I actually think it wasn't even necessary. It was a made up statement. <laughs> it was, yeah, 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 it was a made up no, totally, for him not to Totally, play each totally time. because yeah. it was because it was a national game and they have an edict sort of for the league that says you know, we, you can't sit your stars on, on these national TV games. Like, you have to kind of play these guys whenever possible. And so they tried him out there for the first half and then sat him in the second half because they were on the back-to-back. And they're like, well, we're not yeah. going to get in trouble and we're just going to make up an injury. Like, and that's just going to be what it is. And I think when the, and they ended up winning the game, so it didn't really matter. But I, not to use that as the example for, like, you know, the example that proves the rule, but in the situation where the schedule's already weird. You have an NBA league that just that wants to have its superstars out there as much as possible and understands, well, what are you going to do? Just send these guys out to the into the gladiator pit for 72 games and then have them go into the playoffs? It doesn't make any sense. No no rational organization would ever do it that way because there's literally no upside to it. Yeah. <laughs> short cool. short of not making the playoffs or something like that, which I don't think, you know, the Nets are really at risk of, of worrying about. I, I just don't know I just, I guess my, my, I, I'm already. You can see the writing on the wall of what's going to happen during this regular season, and I think Nets fans need to sort of prepare themselves for a, hey, I know those first two games look great, we saw what can kind of happen when things break down a little bit against Charlotte. There's just going to be. Ugly games. Look, the Clippers got blown up by like sixty points last night, but they were down fifty at halftime to the to
1: the to the, to the Mavericks. Yeah, what, right? what was the what was the line on that? The 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 Mavericks could have done nothing in the second half and still won by like three points or something. Like,
0: yeah, it was that... just insane. Like it was you don't see that happen in a basketball game. Like you don't. It's like a high school game where the the one team had to trot out its JV team and the other team is like the state championship. That's like the kind of score you see from. Uh, these teams. It's, so I just,
1: it just, and that, that other that, piece, by the way, is I think that's, that's the biggest part of it is that something you wouldn't see, like you see guys take giving games off, but you're going to see guys play first halves and then not show up in second halves of games. And that's a different dynamic for the NBA. And let me say this. He, he might've been hurt. I, I, I'm just, that's just speculation by me. But
0: the fact that I'd even speculate that it could be true means that I think that there's probably at least a little fire where the smoke is. Mm-hmm. And so he, and by the way, I, I, as much as, as someone who watches minutes and rotations as much as anybody in the league, I've said it to some. I said it to my wife, not like she cared. But the <laughs> I, I, said, I, 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 I said it to Sabrina. Her on Christmas. Sabrina, stop like,
1: talking about Larry Jordan. I need to tell you about this. This she was like, bam, out of bios. Minutes were what? No, she, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. But you could see, you could see already see in the rotations that they had no plans to play those starters max minutes either. It yeah. was, it was, it was very clear what the, the that was the thing that kind of proved it to me was that oh right, none of these other guys are getting full run either they're just going to fully sit out Jimmy Butler by the way they should the guy nearly killed himself in the in the finals like he's right. only a few months removed from not being able to walk off the podium after that game 5 i think it was where he just played 46 minutes and left his life on the court so i'm not no one's to blame here i'm not casting aspersions toward any team i just think it's more to say as nets fans i think we need to be really the first two games were great and super crisp and we saw a taste of what the team can look like when they're firing on all cylinders And we have to prepare ourselves with this Grizzlies game where they could be starting Kyrie, Jeff Green, if he's okay, you know, something sham it like there's there's a chance that this starting lineup looks totally different tonight. And I think we just need as Nets fans need to prepare ourselves that this is this is going to be a whole season of this. When you play six games in 10 days or whatever you say, six games in 12 days, you'd be you'd be committing malpractice if you sent your guys out there every game and played them max minutes because.
1: The Nets are going to make the playoffs and these games in the end aren't really going to matter. Yeah, don't don't overanalyze what you're seeing and the rotation sometimes that you're going to get here because it's not the big picture, especially for Brooklyn with their aspirations this season. You got it. Okay, we're going to be back again
0: tomorrow breaking down whatever happens here with the Grizzly game. Hopefully Dinwiddie is okay. We'll be talking about that uh, injury or no injury depending on where it is. In the meantime, the way you help the podcast, you go and visit our sponsors, uh, BetOnline.ag built bar as well you also totally free can rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcast hit that subscribe button so it makes sure it shows up every day for you rate and review at five stars or bust if you can throw us a nice word much appreciated as well as we continue to see our download numbers climb Um, we think that's because the fans are tuning in fans are giving reviews to it on to other people and that's all you can ask for Uh, so rate and review the podcast
1: yeah, and listen, uh, from an unknown Greek proverb, unaccredited here, but as I just narrowly lost 5-4 to four in our first fantasy basketball matchup between the two hosts of this show, and the Nets just lost their first game, one minute of patience, 10 years of peace, friends. Let's stay the course. Uh, one of the great unknown
0: philosophers and poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.